Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Um, Carlos, we thought about a name change last week, and uh, I wanted to know where you thought, where you were on that. And, and we'll ask our special guest this week what he thinks of that. Uh, the great Dave Burkett is here to talk about the NFL draft. But before we do that, Dave, let me ask you. Carlos suggested that we rename this podcast Carlos with Sean, presented by uh, presented by Free Press Sports. I'm curious what you think of that, because Carlos wants even bigger billing. Yeah, I mean, he's the headliner, right? He's, I mean, it makes sense on some level. It, um, I don't know. Like, can I get like a with special guest star Dave Burkett occasionally? Is that possible? I don't know. You guys, yeah, are, no. the two yeah. big dogs. So, well, no, no, no. I mean, I guess the great Dave Burkett's not enough. But yeah, that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's it. That sounds good to me. No, man, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us and give us some time this week. And for those of you out there um, listening, you know, I mean, I don't think this guy needs any introduction. But we're here to talk about the NFL draft, which is what Dave uh, a couple of weeks away. Give, well, I mean, give her, that's a couple here. of weeks away. Yeah, right. Sean, you've been watching a little too much basketball. It's uh, we're down to about uh, a week days away now. Okay, yeah. so a little more than a week. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is a week from tomorrow, actually. Sean, okay. Sean is not coming to Allen Park, Dave. I'm just telling you right no. now. He doesn't even know where it is. Yeah, no, I'll be oh, there. No, Carlos, I, I figured as much. I figured it'd be you and me, and maybe Jeff, but Sean, we know he doesn't. He doesn't. Football doesn't really, you know, it's not high on his priority list right now. No, it's uh, no, it's it's obviously really important. The Lions are going to take a quarterback. I don't know what we else what else we need to we need to talk about. You know what I mean? But no, let's uh, let, let's let's get into it. Uh, you've written I don't know 15, 16 mock drafts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how anybody can keep up with that. But but how about as it stands right now, who are the Lions going to take or who? Or no, it's, let's forget that. Come on, that's a prediction. <laughs> who should they take? Who does Dave Burkett think they should take? Well, it's that? funny because I'm actually doing, I think it's mock draft four for this weekend. And I was working <laughs> on that before we started recording and uh, shoot, I got to save something for the, uh, the paper, right? The, uh, the readers. Um, look, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, there are plenty of options, right? If Aiden Hutchinson is there, I think he's an easy choice. I still think he's going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and then it's just about, you know, how many guys are in that next group of, of, or in that top group of prospects for the Lions. And I think they take the best defensive player left on their board. Um, you know, whether that's Kayvon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson has been the guy in my last mock, last, really for the last month or so, I, I, I've sort of been on, on him to the Lions. Um, definitely started to hear some, some Sauce Gardner to the Lions uh, chatter of late. I think the play there is a, a pass rusher. You know, Trayvon Walker obviously has been mentioned heavily too. So um, it's just about which one of those three guys um, the, the pass rushers I'm talking about, Thibodeau, Walker, and, and Johnson is, is best is, is ranks highest on the Lions board uh, because that's a position that they need. That's an elite position, uh, and it's a, a value pick there at number two. What would be the the most enjoyable uh, pick in terms of trolling the fans? The Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. Oh, it's probably a quarterback, right? I mean, I think you know that that would that would engender the most. 
well, it's probably, you know, the, the way this draft is, I think anyone is who they pick is, is going to have his, his lovers and, and haters. Um, but the quarterback, I think, would be especially hard for some people to swallow. Um, and, and doubly so after Dan Campbell said the Lions need a, a day one starter out of that number two pick. So wait, I, wait, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. You're talking, Sean said trolling the fans. A quarterback? No, no, no. People love the, you can't have a corner with, with the guy named Jeff Okuda still around. I think, does he, does he still have two legs? I don't know if Okuda still has two legs, but, but you cannot have another cornerback at number two. It can't happen. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the, um, look, uh, the way that the last top three pick at cornerback has gone so far, I, I think that would anger a large segment of the fan base. But I think, I think a lot of these picks would just, you know, even let's talk Trayvon Walker, right? Like he's a guy that's really blown up here in the, uh, the, the postseason process, I guess, right. The combine and the workouts and all that. But uh, you know, there's, I've heard from a lot of people who sort of fans that is who, who, you know, wonder like, Oh, he doesn't have the pass rush rate and win rate and, you know, his, his sack numbers. And so I, I think there's, I think whoever the Lions take, um, because this is such a uh, because there are no you know truly elite prospects up top, um, I think a, a segment of the fan base is probably going to be upset and throw their hands up and pull their hair out at the pick. And I, I think that would absolutely be the case for a quarterback, even though most people acknowledge that you need someone to replace Jared Goff before long. Does anybody look wait, at wait, wait, film, wait. Carlos? Does anybody look at film anymore? Seriously. They watch too much film. That's it. There's too much damn film. There's too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. We have Andrew Hammond, our, our producers, watching film right now. I think he's he's cutting up something. Burkett's kid has film on on huddle somewhere. It's too much. That's right. It's too much. No. Time. What about what about just making plays? I was in I was in Fort yeah. Lauderdale. I was in Fort Lauderdale watching Michigan play the best team they've played all year. And Aiden Hutchinson spent the whole game on his own side of the line of scrimmage. Does that not bother or worry anybody that he's basically a 230-pound linebacker? Sean, you didn't read my film breakdown of that game against Georgia. <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson actually, if you go back and watch what Georgia did to take him out and how he played, I, I thought the you know the uh, the critique of, of his was was overblown. I mean, he didn't have a, a huge game, but he still did some good things in that game. He, so, he, he, but he's, the, not, he's not that the, strong. He's not that strong. Is well, that does that worry anybody? They I have mean, supplements in the NFL, Sean. You can get stronger. <laughs> uh, you know, Re I think, relative to that position, I mean, I don't want to bang on him. He's a great player, but you're, now you're, you're you're going with Aaron Donald. The Aaron Donald, he's too small. He's not going to be. He's going to get pushed around, right? Aaron Donald, who could pull an oak tree out of its out of the ground, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, but not in college. That was the problem is they didn't know that for sure. It's like, is he going to, I don't know what his combine numbers were. I'm sure he was strong, but it's like, he's small. Even, even in Dominican Sioux, once upon a time, he was just under 300. And at the time it was like, oh, he's a little too small for defensive tackle. You I don't know, ever always, remember Aaron Donald's uh, not small. He's short. There's a difference. Nuance, Carlos. I know that's not a big thing with you, but he's, nuance. He's a little small. He's okay. tight. He's a little oh. compact package. Dave, Dave. Suit absolutely destroyed people in college. Too. He did. He did. I mean, he was, it was the, you know, runner up for the Heisman or whatever. He was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our producers like with eyes wide open here, Andrew's pointing because he, Dave makes a great point. He can't believe what he's hearing out of Carlos or Sue. No, I think he pointed at Dave and you saying, Chuck me. Carlos is winning. <laughs> no, Carlos seriously. Won. Seriously, if for some reason Jacksonville didn't take Hutchinson, what, what what kind of player is Hutchinson? What what's his ceiling to you? If because uh, the Lions would clearly take him at number two, right? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, look, um, you know the the 
I think, you know, you talk to scouts about this draft and, and they would tell you that there's no, you know, absolute sure thing, elite player, you know, typical, you know, number one choice, right? There's no Miles Garrett. You've heard that before, right? The These guys aren't the, the Bosa brothers. There's no elite quarterback. So, you know, I think you have to, um, you know, maybe you, you don't expect whoever the Lions take, whether it's Hutchinson or Thibodeau or Walker or Johnson or whoever, like that guy's probably not going to be a 15 sack guy, at least, you know, right off the bat. Um, but, you know, the, he can still be a very good player. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, I think is a, um, he's more than a try hard guy, right? Like I think that uh, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for some of the athletic abilities that he has. I mean, the, the short shuttle that he ran was, was one of the best at the combine, you know, and, and that's really what you're, you're looking at for, for, you know, defensive linemen is, is their ability to change direction like that up front um, as they're rushing the passer, you know, the, none of these guys, part of the reason why scouts say they they're not elite is they don't have that elite bend that a miles Garrett has, right. Their ability to dip and get under the blocker and uh, uh, you know, uh, circle back and, and, and get a quarterback. And, and so I think Hutchinson is going to be a very good player. He's, he's probably a better run defender than, than, um, you know, Thibodeau is right now. Um, the difference in these guys, right? Like Trayvon Walker, I had a, a scout tell me, you know, he's more of a five technique, probably an inside guy. He definitely played some, or has the ability to play some outside at Georgia pro day. He did the outside linebacker drills. So, you know, he's trying to show his versatility, but he's a guy that you're going to move up and down the, the defensive line and maybe ultimately has his biggest impact um, inside the, the guys that will have their, their biggest impact outside that's Hutchinson. Um, you know, that's, that's probably Thibodeau. Um, you know, Thibodeau isn't as big as those other guys. Uh, you know, Jermaine Johnson is an outside guy too. Um, so it, it, you know, it sort of depends what the lions are looking for, um, for that defensive line at the number two spot as the would fit. But to answer your question, Sean, yeah, if Aiden Hutchinson is there, I think the lions take him. I don't think it's much of a, uh, uh, you know, a debate there. And, and I do think that he, um, you know, he's the type of guy, the type of personality that would really fit with, with Dan Campbell, um, the energy that he brings, you know, the, the, maybe the ability to, 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 you know, bring some other people along with him. Um, you know, I know at the, the combine, you know, he was a guy that's at the table and everybody's around him. You know, he just sort of has that magnetic personality. And I think that would be welcome uh, as the Lions try to build this thing from where they're at right now. Dave, let's ask Carlos this. Uh, Carlos, who do you think that the Lions should take? Because I want Dave to pick it apart. <laughs> um, I mean, so if, if Hutchinson's not there, is that what you're saying? Or if he's there? Uh, it, 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 well, let's, yeah, just say, let's, let's just say he's not there. Well, let's who say he's should, not there. Who should they take? Because I want to get Dave's thought on this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the question is, the question, there's so many people, you know, like I'm trying to think who should they take? Who's going to fit with them? Who's going to, you know, they want the, they want the impact starter, you know, day one, all this stuff. You know, Thibodeau apparently doesn't love football enough or whatever. He's not a he's not a team guy, supposedly. Um, I don't want them to take a cornerback. Um, I the, the one thing it's more like to me, who don't you take? Do not take an offensive lineman. If you take I an say offensive lineman number two, I see how it is. I'm you, gonna I'm gonna walk out of Allen Park, Dave. Yeah, I'm no, not gonna Sean, stick this around. Is what's happening right now? It's just unbelievable. Is- yeah, yeah he doesn't want unbelievable. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to make a pick because then when the Lions make a pick, he wants to make sure he gives out a C or a D or an F. Or this is so unbelievable. He doesn't want to be anchored to that I player got, saying, "I said I, I would take them as well." So I like my. I like. I keep my options open, just like Dave Burkett in his twelve mock draft. So I'm what I'm waiting to see. No, Dave, you know. Dave, Dave Burkett is clearly doing that because the free press wants him to do that, and he's a good soldier. 
But he would oh. tell you right now who they should take. What? No, often, he won't. Right? No, he won't. Dave, he who won't. should they take? Well, I mean, again, I don't want to spoil my mock. Oh draft, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll go. read it in the paper. You'll you'll <laughs> see it Sunday online. But I'm not. You know, I, I need to. I need to leave that that carrot dangling out there for people to to read it. So all right, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, go. I want Carlos though, because again, I, I don't want Carlos then to come back on that pick when the Lions take that. <laughs> guy. All right, I'll help. I'll, I'll help Car. I'll help. I'll go first, and Carlos should go. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Go, Holy, go for crap. it. Yeah, because you the know white what, quarterback. What do you have against Malik Willis? No, I just think every year there's a quarterback that people are like, eh, 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 and then he's in the Pro Bowl in three years, and uh, it's a gut feeling. I, you know, I don't know. You go win at Pittsburgh, you do. You're doing something okay. And he's accurate, and I don't know. He's got a little something about him. Why not take a chance? It's all luck anyway. It is. You're right. It's, You're it's right. totally. It's it, it, it's it's luck. It's luck. At this, I, it, go back and look at the NFL draft. How many times has the number one player been the best player in the draft in the last twenty years? Two, three, four. I don't maybe. Know. I mean, so what is that? 20%, 25%. So one in four odds, you're going to get the right player. I mean, come on, it's stacked against you. So why not just uh, go for it? All right, Carlos, you go. All right. Who, who would I want them to take? I would want them to take Malik Willis. I think he'd be an exciting guy, a pos- a, a difference maker, you know, a Patrick Mahomes style quarterback, um, you know, and he's being overlooked because what he has maybe some, some decision-making issues or whatever, you know, I mean, these guys are not fully formed in college. You know, if you, you expect somebody to come out, you know, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, how much, how much help, how much difference did Trevor Lawrence make this year for the Jaguars? It's going to take a little while. You need surrounding pieces, you know? So I, w- I think he's more exciting. I don't have a problem with Kenny Pickett. Uh, that'd be okay too. I mean, I think, I think Thibodeau, I think Thibodeau, to me, Thibodeau and Malik Wilson make me pretty happy. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Hold it against them. They took Kenny Pickett either. I think. I think they need to make. I don't want Brad Holmes. I don't want them to play it safe. We talk so much about the process and foundation building and all this stuff. You know, you can just not. You can't just keep stacking offensive linemen and and you know maybe even. I mean, I guess some linebackers. If it's an outside linebacker, you know they can they can you know play edge or whatever and make some differences and get to the quarterback. But uh, but I want. I want them to go after someone because I agree with what you said, Sean. Yeah. You, there's always this quarterback that you don't think is going to be great. And then they get picked somewhere around the 10 spot or, or early teens or something. They do end up pretty great. And look at like Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino. These guys were picked, you know, later in the first round. Patrick they're, Mahomes. They're out there. <laughs> Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, I'm he, not they, saying Pickett's Mahomes, right? He's not, he doesn't have that arm talent, but yeah, but I just do just, just no safe. I don't like the safe. I mean, Hutchinson, there's a lot, to like about it. And he just feels like such a lion's home, you know, Holmes and Campbell. Oh, Dearborn, divine child, Michigan. And I almost wonder, Dave, do you think it's going to be, it would be too much pressure to be playing that close to home? I mean, he's playing in his backyard, basically. I mean, the expectations for him. Um, I don't, I'll, I'll get back to that in a sec, but first I want to say, Carlos, I like your pick better than Sean's. I'm, I'm just going to be real honest there. So, you know, Sean wanted me to – he wanted you to throw it out there so I could I could take your pick apart. Look, if the Lions are going to take a quarterback, I think Malik Willis is the guy because Malik Willis has the upside, right? Like he has – you mentioned it, Carlos. He has the athletic traits, right, the ability to run, the arm, um, the leadership. I mean, I, I think he just – he oozes some of those qualities. Now, he's he's a ways away, right? So he, he needs to sit. 
But the Lions, I think, are in a spot where they can, you know, afford to do that, right? They have Jared Goff, who's going to play. They've they've got, you know, Mark Brunella. Not that he's developed a lot of quarterbacks, but he's played the position for a lot of years. So I wouldn't have a problem with them taking Malik Willis. But, you know, again, sort of, as I said in my, my you know, uh, lone gunman video there that uh, that we did uh, on, on Freep.com, I, uh, I, I don't see it happening. I just don't know that, you know, most of the people that I've talked with don't quite see him as a top, you know, uh, let's say five pick top five player in this draft, just because he's so far away from, uh, you know, reaching his ceiling. And there are some of those questions about the decision-making and the sack rate and, and some of those things. So um, I, I would, if I'm rolling the dice on a quarterback uh, in this draft, Malik Willis would be the guy that I would draft just because of, of the upside. And I am a believer. I think both of you guys know this, that you need an elite quarterback to win in the NFL long-term. I just think Malik Willis um, even though he's maybe farther away from being that than Kenny Pickett, uh, he's more likely to become that because of the uh, the skill set. Why do you think? Why do you hate Pickett? I don't hate Pickett. I just I think Pickett is Jared Goff, and so I mean, oh, like maybe there's, oh, maybe there's you know like there's still value there in having that guy because he'd be on a, a rookie contract for five years, and and then you could you know build around him. I think there's a lot of value in drafting a quarterback for that reason. I just you know, ultimately I'm uh, sort of like Carlos said, right. I, I, I want the home run, you know, I don't, I don't want the double. And I think, you know, Malik Willis is, you know, he's going to strike out a bunch or there's a potential that he strikes out a bunch, but if he hits it, if he connects, he's, it's going to go a long way. Well, two things, two things. One, Dave is obviously calling Dan Campbell a liar saying that uh, you don't need an elite quarterback to have sustained success. Although coach Campbell has said, I, I think you don't I think, need it. I think do. Dan was before you go to number two, I think Dan was just, saying that we don't have an elite quarterback right now and we're not going to draft one at two. And that's why he, he said that. Okay. Uh, and, and two in the, in the uh, Dave Burkett podcast that you launched today, um, just to go ahead and summary in our own podcast. Uh, yeah. You, you, you mentioned that what happens if they draft Malik Wallace or, Kenny, or any quarterback, right? Number two. And the minute that they lose four straight and Goff struggles, everybody's going to yeah. be screaming for that guy to play. Can you sit him? Will Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have the discipline to draft a guy number two and have Goff stink it up early, not through his own fault necessarily, but going through a, a losing streak and still sit the guy? Or are you going to throw him into the fire? Yeah, I mean, I think that's all part of it. I mean, you know, the one thing that I sort of um, – yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I, I think they would be able to withstand that. But, again, like everyone would be calling for it. Like even though right now it, it's – you know, I can say like, hey – you're going to sit Malik Willis and play him in year two. And that's the way to go about it. And, and it truly is like, you know, if you're three and seven or something in, you know, November, like what's the point of, of not, you know, or of, of keeping that, that rookie quarterback on the bench. So I just, again, I, I, I think it's more realistic that the lions take a quarterback at 32 or trade up to get that benefit of the, you know, the, the rookie contract, I guess, uh, that maybe there is a guy out there that they like. Maybe it's even Malik Willis that slides a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why they're doing all this this homework on these guys. I just don't see. I think there's the 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 ability, like Dan said, to get a day one starter at number two, and you know maybe really you know finally find a playmaker for that defense um, at whatever position. I think that trumps the um, you know the uh, the likelihood that. Uh, that one of these quarterbacks hits um, and the, the risk that would be associated with taking a guy that high. Why do you compare Pickett to Goff, right? I mean, Pickett is a guy that can make plays on a run. He's accurate. 
in the pocket. Saying, he's accurate on the run. He doesn't have a huge, huge arm. He's got a decent enough arm. He's, well, he's I don't mean style-wise. I just mean, like, look, in the NFL, right, like your Patrick Mahomes or your Josh Allen or your Justin Herbert or Joe Bird, like there's a handful of really elite quarterbacks. And then there's, you know, other guys that are good, but I just don't see them being in that elite you know, class of, of quarterback. And that's Kenny Pickett to me. Like, I think he can be okay, but when you're, if you have an okay quarterback, you're always looking for something better. And so if you, you draft Kenny Pickett, like he'll be Baker Mayfield or he'll be Jared Goff, or he'll be that type of quarterback that, you know, he's going to help you in the way you build your roster, you make the playoffs and maybe you think you have something, but then ultimately you're like, you know what, he's not in that elite class of quarterback. So I need somebody new and, you know, I just again, there's there's value, but it's a short term value for the length of his rookie contract where you can really build that that roster around that guy. And then I think ultimately you're like, well, I need to go out and get, you know, one of these elite guys still. So, well, my, my argument would be we don't know. Right. I mean, you're right. Maybe he's just a backup quarterback. Who knows? But anytime a guy who, who anytime a guy combines accuracy with some athleticism and making extended plays, making plays on a run in today's NFL. I mean, to me, that's a pretty good ceiling. But uh, look, we got a lot more to talk about. We can't just sit here and talk about quarterbacks and how the Lions should take one. Sure, we can. Well, maybe we can. I, I mean, why not just take another offensive tackle? What, look, but we'll, we'll we'll get in. <laughs> we'll get into that. We got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, the one and only Dave Burkett. My name is Kerry Junior the Second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, or should I just say Carlos, or maybe I should say Carlos and Dave. Dave I mean, and I, Carlos. The, 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 okay, Dave and Carlos, that's probably the better. We agree. We, we rarely, we agreed uh, on the last segment, at least okay. on, on the quarterbacks. We did, we did, we did. All right, Dave, uh, what else should the Lions be looking for now that you've decided that they should take um, either a cornerback or an offensive tackle with the number two pick? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I would, I mean, look, you know, cornerback is the best defensive player on the board, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, that's true. Isn't it? At? Don't you think? What's that? You love that guy from LSU, uh, Stingley, right? Um, I think it's, uh, you know, he had a really good, obviously freshman year where, you know, that's when the Lions took Okuda and Derek Stingley was the best cornerback in college football that season. But, you know, obviously he had the COVID year and then he was hurt all this past season. So I think there's – look, again, when, you know, when the there's – you're looking at the top, you know, eight or ten players in this draft. And I, I think it's a pretty big group of 
of you know players that could fit into that sort of top tier in this 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 draft because there are no elite players. Now some people may have it smaller, right? For some teams, it may be Hutchinson and Thibodeau and the two offensive linemen, and that's it. For others, it may include Walker and the cornerbacks and right a bunch of let's say eight or ten guys. Um, and so I think when you're looking at that group of you know your your eight or ten guys, um, like Stingley may be as talented or more talented than those guys, but the risk with him is more than you know, with some of the other guys in that group. So automatically they go ahead of him just because, um, or, you know, on, on teams draft boards, just because, uh, you know, it's more likely that these other guys are going to hit their ceiling because they don't have the injury problems or, or some of the other issues that, uh, you know, guys um, that, that tend to slide have. So I, uh, I like Stingley as a player, but I wouldn't take him at two because I think there are less risky picks for the Lions to take there. Do you agree, Carlos? I just want them to draft uh, Sauce Gardner so we can have a guy we can call Sauce. Um, the only problem is, you know, whenever they have cool nicknames, I mean, like like Snacks Harrison came, you know, when they traded for him, and then he gets here and he's like, "Don't call me Snacks." So like you have the you have one of the great cool nicknames, and your Twitter handle is Snacks, by the way, but you're asking us to call you Damon. Like, what the hell? Like, well, as a reporter, you shouldn't be using people's nicknames anyway. That's a little too cozy. Yeah, magic, like NIL money, magic, man. Magic Johnson. You go into an, an NHL locker room back when you could do that. Maybe you can now. You go into or, or a baseball clubhouse and you hear reporters use the nicknames of the baseball players or hockey players that they call each other. Does that? What do you think of that? Right? No, that's you, it's what they prefer, man. I mean, oh, you would have you would have gotten into the club in the 1927 like Yankees clubhouse and hey George Herman, can I no, talk to I you for a minute? I would have said Mr. Ruth. Mr. Ruth, yeah, Mr. Wow. Mr. Uh, Ruth. I, uh, I I think I'm with Sean in this one. Sorry, Carlos, that, uh, you know, you, we're, you don't need to be calling uh, these athletes their, their nicknames. Oh, next thing you'll, uh, you'll be that's calling all about branding. Like, that's all that is, is right. Let's, we're in the NIL age here, man. They're just right. If everyone starts calling them sauce, like, you yeah. know. Why don't you call them friend, Carlos, or pal, or bud, or hey, my, my man, or hey, brother. How about that? Hey, I was the only one who called Tyre Whitehead his first name correctly. He always like gave me a little like, you know, dab for that. He was like, yeah, yeah, you're the only one. Everybody was like, Tahir. It's like, Tahir. Who yeah, else? Who, were, who had the... You were the most... The, what's that? Who had the good nicknames that... Who's that, Who had the last really great nickname in the Lions cl- uh, locker room, Dave? That's Snacks tough, doesn't count, obviously. That's a tough question, isn't it, Dave? Uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of great... Not a lot of great nicknames there necessarily. I mean, Megatron, right? But... uh I mean, since then, not like anyone walked around being like, "Hey, Megatron," you know, people call him Kelvin. Um, yeah, no. All right, let, hey, let, let, okay. This is yeah. this is fascinating. It's great. I mean, you know, we all know how Carlos likes to to cozy up to the players that he writes about. But uh, let's let Dave tell us what else the Lions need uh, outside of the first round, you know, because they have a lot of other picks. So, what do you? What do you? Th- yeah, yeah. Well, I, maybe that's a better question, but. What are some names that uh, you think would uh, be good fits here? Uh, no long snappers. Long snappers, yeah. uh, specialists. No, I mean, you know, I, I think the Lions could go just about any position at 32 and 34 and, you know, find somebody that will contribute, you know, right away. I mean, obviously, um, you know, linebacker is a need. I know people have talked about N'Kobe Dean before, right? He'd sort of be the ideal guy in my eyes at, at 32 if he slid there. And there's a chance he could make it there because he's it's not – he doesn't have all the measurables. He's not the great athlete. He's just a really good football player, um, you know, and he would be a day one starter at linebacker. You know, the safety position is a spot where, 
Um, even though the Lions have, have added a little help here in free agency, you know, I, I think I, I do think Dax Hill's probably gone there, but I, I think a guy like Jaquan Brisker from Penn State could be could be around still. Wait, 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 one second. Did you just say the Lions added a little help in free agency? Because Carlos wrote uh, Wednesday that they did nothing in free agency, and that it was all about the draft, and he started talking about gummy bears, and I think he meant edibles because he was high as hell when he wrote that column. Uh, I said a little help. I mean, you know, when you sign guys to one-year deals, I mean, free agency is sort of what it is, right? But, you know, Deshaun Elliott's a guy that, you know, has a chance to start at safety for them right now if I was – um, you know, doing a, a two deep, I'd probably put him as a starting safety next to Tracy. Placeholders, they're just placeholders. Yeah, Mike Hughes at cornerback, you know, same thing. He has a chance to start. So they, they've added some depth. They've added some potential starters, right? Like you don't need to to reach to make sure you draft a safety at, at 32 if, if you know, the, the guys you like are gone and the next guy is a third-round guy on your board. So um, have they had, added some help? Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, I don't know that they've – They've uh, improved their roster by by leaps and bounds where we stand right now. All right, so they have they have thirty two and thirty four those two picks. I mean, is there any reason not to be moving up into you know fifteen or whatever 14, 12? Yeah, I think there's somebody. A, I think there's a good reason, and that's if you don't take a quarterback at two, you're going to need a quarterback next year. So maybe the play is to trade out of thirty two or thirty four to pick up some extra draft capital in two thousand twenty three. So that way you have more firepower to move up next year. So, you know, he's always thinking you're always look, thinking. 32 and 34 are one in the same to me, right? 32, you get the extra fifth year, depending on the, uh, the position, um, you know, so that, that could be a, uh, you know, a good thing, but um, look, if to your point about Malik Willis, Carlos, if Malik Willis is there at, at 18 and the lions love him, like, you trade 32 and 34, maybe you can go get him before the Steelers take him at 20. Right. So I, I think there, there are scenarios where a trade up makes sense, but um, you know, short of that, like I, I think the the play might be to accumulate draft capital. So that way uh, you have more firepower next year for when the quarterback draft should be better and you can go and get somebody. I, by the way, I think they should take Malik Willis at the number two pick. <laughs> I'm we, just, we changed their mind already. Nice. Well, no, I'm I'm channeling Carlos here. I'm gonna write I'm gonna write one thing this day, and then three days later, I'm gonna write the exact opposite thing. No, no, no. That's Dave's mock drafts that you talk. So about. I'm trying guys, to do the mock drafts. Listen, man. A couple of years ago, we started doing them like every two weeks or something like that, right? And people are always like, "Oh, you change your mock. You change every single 2000 when they took Jeff Okuda. Every single mock." I wrote Jeff Okuda in for the Lions. Like last year, it was either Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase, or you know, like there were there was not much variance. It's it's this small pocket of guys that they pick from. This year, it's a little bit different because I do think there are you know many many more players that are you know could be in the mix for them. Um, but I didn't do one two weeks ago because I was going to have Jermaine Johnson, the same guy in the mock. So I've had three mock drafts so far. I had Aiden Hutchinson number one. Uh, and then realizing that Aiden Hutchinson was going to go first to the Jaguars, I took him out in my second mock and I gave him Kayvon Thibodeau. My third mock, I went Jermaine Johnson over Thibodeau just because of some of the things I was hearing about Thibodeau not being a culture fit with the Lions. So there's reasons why those those guys have changed. And now you learned. mock, mock you learned, number right? four, you know, again, not to, you know, I don't want I want people to make sure they read the mock. But maybe it's somebody different this time around. Maybe it's not Jermaine Johnson again. It's maybe because you you get new information, as as the phrase is. Hey, new, hey new. 
Look, I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday that I did. I really went through a couple different sort of scenarios in my head with mock drafts that all sort of made sense as I was talking to different people. And I always I know I've said this before, right? Like as I go through this process and I even said this to, to one of the scouts that I was talking with yesterday, like I, I always go back to what you hear early on in the process, because I think people, you know, they don't have their guard up as much. They're not, you know, maybe, you know, they're not playing this, the smoke screen game as much. So I, I tend to think what you hear around the, the senior bowl and, and leading up to the combine, that's really what people think where now maybe there's, you know, hidden agendas to some of this and you can only trust certain people. So, um, but I, I did, you know, um, look, I, I've done some work on, on Thibodeau, uh, you know, another one of Carlos's guys here of late to find out maybe what the Lions think of him or, or um, to see, find out how real some of those, those character concerns are. Um, you know, done some work on those other, you know, pass rushers just to try to stack those guys on the board and how they would fit for the Lions. So I still think that the Lions are, you know, pass rush is probably the uh, the way to go at number two. You hear that, Carlos? He's he's evolved because new shit has come to light. To quote the dude, Andrew, you can you can uh, edit that out. Anjanette won't mind. You can Constant just reporting. That's what you're just, doing. Just right? believe that. Exactly. So, you know, it evolves. It changes. Do you understand that concept, Carlos? No, no, no. You have one opinion. You stick to it. That's that's my that's my play. Yeah. yeah, the earth was flat still for you, right, Kyrie? He's a basketball player, by the way, Carlos. Yeah, he's a team guy too. <laughs> well, like you. Yeah, hey, okay, uh, how much? How much? Is, how much of that is? I, I worry about that a little bit with all this culture fit stuff that these people like to. Talk, it's the whole NFL, but you know, definitely Campbell and Holmes talk about it too, and culture fit and everything. You know, you don't want somebody who's going to like destroy the locker room, but, but hey, not everybody loves football the same way. Not everybody's a, you know, effort guy and leader guy. And they, they expect so much out of these players sometimes. I mean, can you overlook that a little bit and l- learn to work with really talented people who may not be your cup of tea, but you, you can't coach talent? You know, if you got that talent, maybe yeah. just let that shine through and work with them. I mean, and Dominican Sue was not the easiest guy to get along with in that building, you know, they had to work with him. Well, I think there's, you know, a couple issues at play there, right? What did the lions do with Ndamukong Sue? Nothing, right? He didn't resign with them. So, you know, it depends what your outlook is, right? I mean, are you comfortable having a guy for five years and then being done? Do you want that guy, you know, at number two, I think you probably think of him as a 10 year guy, right? You want him on a second contract and, you know, you want him to be, uh, you know, a, a core you know, a pillar of your team going forward as you're, you're very young in your, your process of building right now. Um, but, you know, I, how about, Carlos, how about I, four I, pro bowls in five years? Is that good enough? I, no, I think I'd take that. Well, yeah. I mean, Sue was, Sue was dominant here, but like, that's, that's part of the thing that's part of the, the discussion here too. Right. Is that again, if there's those eight guys in your top group, right. There's no elite elite. There's no Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow or whoever, whatever position, Miles Garrett, right. There's none of those guys in this group. So that next group, maybe it's a little you know bigger. Maybe it is eight guys instead of four. And so, you know, if the way it works in the NFL, right. Is you're taken from that group of guys, right. It's not just ranked one, two, three, and you don't just go, I'm taking one, two, three, four, right. You're taking from that, that group of guys, the player that best fits your, um, you know, culture, your needs, your whatever your, you know, the the things that you're looking at beyond just the the sheer like talent grade that you have, and so people move up and down within that group, right? Like maybe there's there's less risk to you know drafting a one of these offensive linemen than there is 
Kayvon Thibodeau, but Thibodeau is, you know, more of a positional need. So he's higher, but maybe, you know, Jermaine Johnson is the positional need and he's less of a, a risk when it comes to, um, you know, being a, a culture fit, you know, he, you're more, he, he's more of a culture fit, but maybe his, his ceiling is, is, you know, tapped out a little bit more, or maybe his ceiling isn't quite there because, you know, he's older and, and, you know, he's going to be 23 or whatever. So I, I, there's a lot that goes into play here and it's just how each team, you know, what they're looking for within that tier. And again, if there's only four people in that tier and it's Hutchinson and Thibodeau and the two linemen, well, to me, the lines are taking Thibodeau because, they don't need the offensive lineman, and Thibodeau is one of the elite players. If that tier is a little bit bigger, then their options are a little bit. Tough. Look, I, I appreciate the philosophy. Honest. I appreciate the philosophy class. That's great, but, but let's let's stay there. Let's no seriously. I want to ask you both this. Let's stay there for a second because Dave's a couple of times talked about how there are no elite elite guys in this draft, which is obviously not true. And I don't. It's something I'm trying to call you out, Dave. What I mean is, of course, there are going to be a couple of all pro players in this draft. There are every single year. The issue is we have no idea who they are, right? Would, would you well, I mean that's would, would both of y'all agree to that? I mean, they're gonna be two or three first, first, first team all pro players, not pro bowlers, all pro guys. I know, but yeah. Malik Malik Willis is gonna be an all pro. I know. Okay, look, guaranteed. I, so, I think so we shouldn't draft. say there are no elite elite prospects. There are. They're oh. just not obvious. That's no, 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 no. Exactly. There's no exactly. elite prospects. That doesn't mean they won't be elite players. But you go back to the 2013 draft, Sean. Um, I'm looking at this right now. All right. The top. Look, the first round, the entire first round. Okay. The people that made Pro Bowls, all pro teams, Cordero Patterson as a return man. DeAndre Hopkins made three. Other than that, the only person in the top. 24 picks that made a an all-pro team was Lane Johnson in the top 24 picks. What so about the top 100? Okay, well, I mean, I can go down and – okay, there's very few others. Le'Veon Bell made two. Darius Slay made one. Uh, okay, Travis Kelsey in round three. So there are, there are going yeah, to be – there's a Hall players. of Famer right there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, that's what you don't know. Yeah, but he's not an elite <laughs> prospect. He, he can turn into a great player. No one's saying there aren't going to be great players. He's an, just, he was, he just, was an elite prospect. We just didn't know because this is not a science. <laughs> no, they're, they're two different things. Being a prospect and, and what you actually are as a player are two different things. And oh, so I know. And there's a lot of development and growth. I, I'm, I'm just playing. Yeah, but, it's know, about it's, situation. It's about, you know, the. the where was he taken, by the way? Where there, was Kelsey taken, by the way? Kelsey was the top of the third round. First pick of the third round. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that works. In any case, look, before we let you go, talk to us about offensive playmakers receivers do they want to use uh, 32 34 for somebody that can run and catch certainly possible you know they uh you know back to carlos's uh point about you know not having uh not doing a lot in free agency i mean even dj shark is you know they signed him to a one-year deal i think he helps a lot you know in that that outside receiver position but you know the draft is about the future and you don't have anyone to pair with amon ross st brown for the future right now so can't overlook that position um you know brad holmes history uh has, has certainly been to um, you know, take wide receivers a little bit later. You know, he waited last year, they had a bigger needed receiver and he waited till round four to take Amon Ross St. Brown, um, you know, in, in uh, St. Louis and LA with the Rams, you know, he was part of a, a regime that drafted Cooper cup in round three and, and uh, Van Jefferson, you know, late in round two. And 
Um, uh, Josh Reynolds, I think was a fourth round pick, you know, so they've, they've historically waited on that receiver position. So I do think that there's a, a shot that they take them at 32 and 34, but maybe it's the top of the third round that they do it. Um, you know, there's this receiver classes, uh, you know, talking to some people, I don't know, it's the same thing where there's not, you know, there is no Jamar chase in this draft, but there's very good depth at the receiver position. So, you know, you can get a guy like a, a sky Moore in round two or, um, you know, a Kelvin Austin who wouldn't exactly fit, you know, the size wise, what they're looking for, but somebody who can be an impact player in round three. So I think there are a lot of options for them there. I wouldn't rule it out at two, uh, but you know, the top guys, the Jamison Williams and the Drake London's and uh, Garrett Wilson's, those guys will probably be gone by the, uh, you know, the mid part of the first round. Carlos. What do I, I think you've mentioned running back. How much of a concern do you think that, you know, I know you. I know you think that you know it's it's they're they're you know use them up you know two three years and then right. you know rotate them. So you know what third round maybe they're looking at a running back or you think you know, they might get somebody. I wrote my uh, my little running back preview box this morning as well. And um, now that are you going to tell us what it says or no? <laughs> like, this or is the gonna... Dabrakett show. It's, it's the Dabrakett right. show featuring um, Sean and Carlos. Or are yeah. you going to keep asking? Or are you going to keep acting like you, this isn't all part of the free press? Come click. On. You got to click on it. You got to click on it. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, no, look, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are going to be their number one and two running backs this year, right? So I, I don't think, um, I don't know that the value is there except for taking a running back late. And this isn't considered a great running back draft, you know, by, by all accounts. I mean, look, if Kenneth Walker is there at the top of round three, like maybe there's some, some value in taking him. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't see the Lions, you know, making running back a priority at all. Perhaps it's a day three pick where they add somebody to compete for that backup spot with the Jamar Jeffersons and Craig Reynolds that they already have on the roster. Carlos, any last thoughts? Any last questions? uh, Tight end. I mean, is that, is that going to be another concern for them coming up, you know, and, you know, Hawkinson Hawk. I know Sean doesn't like nicknames. So Mr. Hawkinson. No, I don't. I nicknames are great. It's just, you know, for your friends. Yeah, yeah. Do they need to? Do they need to find somebody else there to pair and to maybe you know take over for him in a, in a couple of years when he hits free agency? You know, see money. See, I'll use a nickname there. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the uh, uh, definitely need have a need at tight end, and that's that's you know probably a, a mid round you know draft pick if they choose to spend one there. Um, you know, but again, they 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 use the band aid to, to sort of patch the hole in free agency, but. Really, they could use a number two tight end. Something's going to get done with Hawkinson. You know, he will be here for the fifth year option at the at a minimum. I, I suspect the Lions will sign him to a contract at some point. Um, there are potential contracts coming up with Hawkinson, with Amani Awarie, and, and with Jack Fox, the punter. I could see all of them getting a deal done at some point. You know, this summer. Um, but you know, again, you need more than one tight end, and, and TJ's health history is, is such that you know you certainly need a a, a capable number two. So um, definitely, that's a spot that I could see the Lions looking to fill in, in the middle rounds. Well, listen, Dave, I know you gotta, you gotta go, you got, uh, family obligations along with the, I don't know what, 10 more mock drafts you have to write it. You know, we got to figure out how to have you back on soon. Two, 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 two more for okay. Sunday. And then I'll do a final one for, uh, for next Thursday. Okay. So. Well, maybe, maybe you can come back on next week and tell us, uh, actually what you're working on, you know, and, and act like, you know, be part of the team. He's not gonna. He's not coming back. He's gonna be on, you know, Valeni show and Wojo show, and you know how many how many hits are you, how many radio hits are you doing in the next week, Dave? 
uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, when people call, it's sort of like when, when, you know, you guys are like, yo, little Dave, if you want to come, you know, be on our podcast, we'll, we'll be happy to give you the, uh, you know, some airtime, you know, to, to help, help you. And I'm like, Oh, please. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's sort of the same thing. You know, every once in a while, some radio people reach out and they, they ask if I'll go on and, you know, I oblige because, uh, you know, they're friends just like C money and, and, and S dubs, just like you guys are. So, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know, but I am going to Vegas next week. So, uh, there will be some, you know, travel slash live, you know, things that I will have to good. I, I hope you eat more than Chick-fil-A. Let me ask you one more question before you go <laughs> the quick question before you go. Uh, did you have any idea? Because I know you're a basketball guy. You watch Michigan basketball. Do you have any idea Jordan Poole is going to be this good? Um, why do you say I watch Michigan basketball? I mean, well, no, no. You watch Michigan State too, right? I mean, you watch Michigan, Michigan State. So you, you're familiar with the college players that come through here. Jordan Poole's on, on the cusp of being an all-star. <laughs> Did you see that coming? Um, I watch basketball much different than m- many other people right now. Isn't that I watch basketball to try to steal plays for my team that I coach. So, <laughs> Well, the Warriors um, are a hard team to steal from, right? Yeah, no, but that's why I watch college or women's college even because it's easier for me to take some of these plays. And But to answer your question, um, no, I, I absolutely did not think Jordan Poole was, was going to be like that. I don't watch a ton of NBA. I got to be real honest about that. Um, so, you know, you tell me that he's on the cusp of being an all-star. I, I don't. You know, I watched a little bit of the playoffs. I did watch that that, that Celtics-Nets game the other day. Oh, uh, Kyrie, oh. uh, what a great finish. In fact, I, I slowed flipping that down. The, flipping the fans. <laughs> pointed out for the kids, like, hey, watch this. Look where Kevin Durant's head is looking right here on this pass, right? Look how Jason Tatum cuts to the basket. Look at that extra pass. So Ball I use watching. these teaching moments for the kids. Ball watching. Yeah. Use, that, use that phrase with your kids. That, what's that? Ball watching. Ball. Use that. <laughs> I said, you know, I said, look where his head is turned, right? Like, it's yeah, true. He's, he's watching over here. But no, I, I think. You know, as I as my team has matured here, the team that I coach, there's a lot of things that I steal. And now I can say, hey, I'm trying to get you ready. Look at when I can say, look, this is what we do. But look, this is not just what we're doing. Watch an NBA team do this or watch a college basketball team do this. Sean, you know, from coaching it, it like it clicks with the kids when they say, wow, like, you know, this is a, you know, the UConn women's basketball team, the best college basketball team, women's college basketball team is doing running the same offense that we run. Like, okay, like I understand that maybe he's. You know, he's he's doing something that has some merit to it. So you're, awesome. you're making you're you're making your uh, your kids watch NBA playoffs and you got an eight year old son or whatever. He's like, Daddy, I just want to go to bed. It's 1130. No, PM. he doesn't. I do not make me watch any more basketball. <laughs> I need my rest. He's- my son is probably out there watching like MLB quick pitch right now. Like whatever sport is in season, like he is watching and he's, he's the one who like stayed up last night to be like, can we watch basketball on the couch? And I'm like, it's like 1030, bro. You got to go to bed. So, um, yeah. And on top of that, the Dodgers are playing the Braves. Why was he messing around? (laughs) No, in fact, Carlos, I think he did turn that game on because in one of the, the, the NBA games was a blowout. And so he did, he wanted to watch your, your Dodgers. So good, man. Is he, is he a Shohei Otani fan? Did he flip over from Fernando Tatis and the, Oh no, no, no. I've already bought bought him tickets to the, uh, the first Padres Tigers game. So we can go, go early so he can watch batting practice. He's, if he would tell you his favorite team, he did wear the, the Cal State Fullerton baseball shirt the other day, though. I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> um, he's a Tatis fan. And then he likes the brave second for Ronald Acuna. And then, you know, maybe you're well, probably the Tigers and then your Dodgers. You know, he, he likes the Dodgers, too. So right. see, guys, good boy. Carlos, you joked about me, like doing my podcast and throwing this up on my my podcast would be about like 
you know, youth sports and, you know, like that's what my podcast would be about. Right. That's, that's where the, the, the passion project lies for, for me. How to, how to run illegal defenses and youth sports basketball. No, no. Yeah. I, teach them the right way. That's that's I'm big on that. Teach them the right way. Right. The wins will come. You got to teach them. the right way. Mm, See Carlos, that's what journalism does. You ask a question about something completely <laughs> unrelated and you get, you, you never know where it goes. Isn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> it is. There you go. Well, look, Dave, I know you got to get out. We need to take a break and uh, unfortunately come back and listen to Carlos's favorite thing. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe you'll join us soon, Dave. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't uh, pin him down, man. He's he's like a he's we'll like a like a spy. You can you never he's in the shadows. You can never I mean, I'll be in Allen Park, so maybe we can shoot some videos or something too, you know. Yeah, know. we'll do be, that. We'll, you're going to be in Vegas taking a bump. You're not going to be in Allen. When are you going to be in Allen Park? <laughs> what? <laughs> Carlos, the did draft? you not see? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, uh, first of all, for Brad Holmes' availability on Thursday, I know I won't see you there, Sean. It's, it's no, not you'll big see, enough you'll see you. me. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm, you'll see me there. I'm bringing okay. donuts. Yeah, yeah, bring donuts. All right, look, man, I know you got to go. We right. got we to gotta, we gotta pay the sponsors here, and uh, our producer, Andrew, is, is frowning at us. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. good. All right, man. Well, Thanks pleasure for as us. always, guys. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, we will see you soon. Talk to you I'll soon. I'll probably see you in training camp, Sean. Uh, yeah, you'll probably see me next week, but that's okay. Yeah, or no, this week. Later this week. Sorry. You'll see me in all a couple right. of days. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Who knows? It's all confusing. What the I'll, just, I'll see Carlos. I'll right. see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're going to see Carlos. All right, my man. That's Thanks good again. Point. Good to see yep. you. We'll, talk, see we'll you talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's time again for the favorite thing. And uh, as usual, I think it's uh, you should take the honors here, right? I mean, it is the Carlos and Sean show. It's a Dave Burkett show. We're just we're just guests now. We're going to be Anjanette's going to rebrand this. You watch. Um, Wait, Anjanette, what's your last name? Anjanette Delgado, executive editor um, and pro- executive producer of the podcast. Right. O- overall, She's just an executive. Bon yeah. Overall, bon vivant. You know, right. Renaissance yeah. person. Yeah. In fact, we were we were at a gathering with her. We were human and, of the and, world. Human of the world. <laughs> and we were trying to get of- Peter. We were trying to get Peter to explain the the confusing titles and uh, Peter Bach, yeah, everybody, yeah, the 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 big man himself, and he was like, "Well, it makes sense to me." It's like, "All right, I guess if it makes sense to the boss, we're we're all good." Anjanette's um, from uh, I, I don't know if she's from North Dakota. She spent time in North Dakota. Is she from North Dakota? I believe so. Okay, okay. Well, she yeah, used that, she's yeah. a Dodgers fan. That's the best part of her. She's a Dodgers fan. Okay, yeah, because of yeah. her husband. So, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything more. We've mentioned her several <laughs> times now. I think we filled the I think we filled the contract, uh yeah. didn't we? The quote right. the quote has been met. We did. Oh god, what a word. All right, my man. Uh what's your favorite thing? All right, it's short and sweet this week. Um, 
as you know, I've been on this weeks long, it feels like months long uh, slog. My kids are going to college. I have twin daughters and they're graduating and it's tough to go visit a lot of colleges, especially during all the COVID restrictions that are still in place, many, many of the schools. Um, and they finally um, decided which schools they were going to go to. So we're able to, to make the decision and click on the button, put our deposit down, and we don't have to go see any more schools, Sean. So that was a very nice sort of, uh, it, it was, a, it was a, an interesting process, a very meaningful process, uh, a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety, a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of travel, um, but it was, it was something I'll never forget. I really enjoyed taking part in this um, with them and they're part of, you know, one of these, one of these uh, milestones, you know, rites of passage in your life. Uh, but I'm very glad, I think my wife would agree <laughs> that it's over. We don't have to plan all these visits and be there at 10 a.m. And where are we going and how do we get there and all this stuff and, and uh, you know, going through dorm rooms and seeing uh, stinky dudes. By the way, the secret to going to college, whenever you go visit the, the dorm rooms, they never show you the boys in the dorm rooms because their dorm rooms are like pigsties. So they always show you the girls' rooms and it's like, oh, wow, it's a really, really pretty dorm. But yeah, don't go, don't go see the boys' room. So. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a nice, nice end to their uh, high school career. And now they get to look forward to, to moving forward in college. Well, good. That sounds uh, nice. I, you know, I thought Wayne County community college probably would have been the best option. Save a little bit of money. You're taking the hey, same, you're taking, this, you're taking the same classes there for the first two years, right? It's just, if you can get by the, the, the idea of what prestige means and with the window dressing and all that, then, uh, Save a little bit of money, then go out for the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, if anybody, if nobody's seen this, if you haven't seen it, it was really good. It was the Netflix special on um, the college cheating scandal. They did a dramatized version of it with Matthew Modine. Uh, very, very good. Very interesting. Very fun. And if you don't know much about the college process of, you know, applications and how competitive it can be for some of these, you know, elite schools, it's very, very eye-opening, um, very interesting process. Uh, it's called the, uh, I can't remember, it has kind of a weird title, but it's the College Cheating Scandal. You can find it on Netflix. Oh, that sounds, uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's really Not as interesting, not as interesting as your favorite thing, Sean, I'm sure. Right? No, my, no, my favorite plug. thing is, you know, my favorite thing is, uh, what my, what's a plug? My favorite thing? Yeah, you're, it's going to be a plug for a story you're writing a bit. Well, I don't know if it's a plug or not. I mean, I guess you could say it probably is. I mean, it's look, we, we we're not doing this for free, are we? I mean, I I enjoy this. <laughs> wait, it's, you get, wait, you get paid? It's one of Andrew, my favorite. You get paid for this? It's one of my favorite parts of the week. But uh, you know, you just try to be a good, 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 uh, good little dude here at the Free Press, right? Good teammate. Come here for you. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, you like that? All right. Um, what's my favorite thing? Um. Miguel Cabrera's uh, maybe who knows by the time this is out he could have his three thousandth hit, right? Mm -hmm. So we should we should we should say that it's probably not likely. He's uh, still a few away. I think as we're recording, I think I think he's four away. I want to say, yeah, um, shy of uh, of three thousand. But anyway, kind of thinking about that and how many hits that is, and looking back at some of the more memorable hits. I uh, came across some great video that the Major League Baseball did of an at-bat he had in 2013, August 11th, 
it was, uh, I want to say, a Friday night at Yankee Stadium when he went up against Mariano Rivera in the top of the ninth with two outs and a, a runner on second, and the Tigers were down 3-1 and had a seven-pitch at bat where he hit himself twice, first in the knee on a foul and then a second time off his shin. And then uh, at a 2-2 count, after falling down 0-2, it, it got it back to 2-2, two and two, took a you know cutter that Rivera got to the Hall of Fame throwing that was a little bit <clears throat> low and a touch away and just ripped it straight away center forward and 20 feet to tie the game up that forced Mariano Rivera, not forced him. Let's just say this Rivera then turned around as he's watching the ball sort of fly and arc through that, that Bronx night. Oh, the Bronx night. Oh my God. You're becoming like a poet. And and then he says, and and he mouths, no, like, no. And then follows it with, wow. Right. So here's the best closer in the history of the game. Just mouthing, wow, as as that ball sailed through that night. It was just only something only Cabrera could do. At at that point in the game, he was the best player in the game. He was the best hitter in the game. He came into Yankee Stadium in that series hitting like three, almost 360. This is in mid-August. And I already had 33, 34 homers, whatever, and 100-plus RBIs, if you care about that sort of thing. But but, uh, it was riveting. Absolutely riveting, Carlos. And uh, why? Why that? I mean, it was the best of bad of his career. And it, it may not have been the most important, but baseball people regard that as one of the best at-bats, most most sort of memorable at-bats just for baseball geekdom in the last 20 years. It's just to hit the pitch he hit where he hit it, only he could do that. It's just, it was the combination of strength. It was just the, the physics of it, it which was just crazy. And then obviously the moment in the ninth inning in a tie game and he had never hit. He, he, he was, I think he was 0 for 6 against Rivera at that point. But just what he did in that moment, he obviously had, you know, he had a home run for Roger Clemens in the in the World Series when he was young when he played for the Marlins. And he had plenty of other at-bats and walk-off hits and all that sort of thing that actually won games. The, the Tigers actually lost that game. Major League Baseball did a little documentary about this last week, kind of in, in anticipation of 300 hit. They went back and interviewed uh, Alex Avila, who was there that night, Victor Martinez, who was on the team, and just talking about that at bat and just him as in, in general. But it's just it's it's the best at bat I've ever seen in person. Um, it also helped me a little bit too. My family was in town, and I remember when he hit it, I looked over, I could see my kids not too far. They were in the lower part of the upper deck, and they were both standing with their arms up in the air, you know, because it was just it was just ridiculous what had happened. But in any case. I just here, – here's what I'll say to you real quickly, Carlos. With 30 te- – in pro sports anyway, it's a little bit different with college. 30 teams in every league at least, 32 and a couple of them or one of them. You can't, you can't ride with wins and losses every year. You can't love sports hoping for a parade every year. You can't. You, 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 you go half your life, half your adult life, and not even, not even get near one. So there have to be other things. We have, we're, you know, maybe fantasy football or you can gamble or whatever – that may be a little bit of it, but there still have to be other things that draw us to sports. And it's the moments like that. It's, it's one of the best hitters who's ever played a game in the last hundred years going against the, the best closure to ever do it and doing something just almost unfathomable that has the whole, both sides sort of buzzing about and has Rivera turn and saying, or turn around saying, wow, that's why we watch sports. It can't just be all this other stuff. It has to be what are we capable of? What's the human body capable of? And thinking about that moment as this uh, 
remarkable hitter gets near 3,000 hits, that's uh, that's my favorite thing. Well, that's really nice. I don't know what you're talking about because I'm an LA fan, so uh, I'm still I'm, I'm not happy that uh, my town has not won a Super Bowl in a couple of months. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and we haven't had an NBA title in a year or two, so I'm I'm not really happy with the shot or World Series title. Yeah, no, it's just uh, in any case, that's. Uh... It's 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 fun to think about. You know what I mean? It's fun to hey, think let about me ask you this. Uh, if a, a quick a quick wrap up is because Cabrera has been so guarded in his public life and has never really opened himself up in any meaningful way to, to you know, anybody in the media, whatever. What, what's what's been the secret to his, his success kind of is he. I mean, we don't ever hear about Mickey, Mickey grinding through tape and taking it. You know, we know, yeah, he's committed. He's a professional and everything. But like, how, oh, you mean what makes him that? so good? Yeah. Is it just pure talent? I'm sure he does some study and some a lot of work in the cage and with hitting coaches. But but what is it that has made him a super made him a superhuman hitter in his career? I mean, do you have any sense of that? I do. It's a combination of things. And it's funny. I remember Leland talking about when in those couple of years. I mean, the idea of hitting three – and he got hurt late that August. I was around the team a lot that year. I mean, it's obviously at that series in New York. But he got hurt not long after that at bat, actually. He was a little hobbled going in, but he got hurt again, and his numbers dropped a little bit, and then he struggled in the postseason. But, Carlos, the idea of hitting 360 for most of a baseball season, and he probably would have finished it if he got hurt without – I mean, excuse me, with all that power is just uh, is just ridiculous. An overused word, yes, Carlos. Uh, maybe maybe we should come up with a better word than ridiculous. But okay, here here's the real quickly. Here are the combination. Here's the combination of things that make him, as Leland said. I remember him saying off the record when he was in the middle of that stretch. He was he was Leland and, and some other folks were arguing he's the best right-handed hitter in the history of the game, at least for that stretch. Maybe not long-term numbers, all that, but there were so many people in the game like. They just hadn't seen the things he was doing. They hadn't seen anybody do that before. The way the power of the all sides, the way he could move his hands, the, the balance. So here, real quickly, here's the combination. It's the it's the strength with the balance, <clears throat> with the hands, with the eyes, on top of this incredible sense of self on a baseball field and calm. Like Ron Gardenhire the former manager of the Minnesota twins and obviously of the tigers. But when he was with the twins, I remember he was with the twins when Cabrera was kind of had that stretch where he was the, you know, the best hitter in the game. And I remember talking to garden hire for a long, long feature. I did trying to break down what made Cabrera so good. And garden hire said, you know, I've never in, in, in his entire career in, in baseball, he's around a game for 40 years. He'd never had a player in the batter's box sort of, between pitches swing a foot out and look over to the opposing dugout and try to figure out how they were going to see if he could hear anything or, or any signals or how they were going to pitch to him. Just that he had the calm to start worrying about all this other stuff instead of just him and the pitcher and garden hired just said it, it was just crazy to think about because you know, this Carl's from golf. And baseball are, are sort of similar in that way. The, the, the hardest thing to do is get out of your own way in both sports. When you're about to dress the ball in golf, when you're in the batter's box in, in baseball, it's common. The, 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 the trick, I mean, obviously you have to have the hand-eye coordination and all of that, the study and the muscle memory. But 
and the balance and the power, but but nothing is more important and quiet in that mind in that moment to, to square up the contact, the club face of the ball or the, the barrel of the bat of the ball. And I remember, I'll never forget that Gardner Hire saying he's never seen a player in his life have the the the, the sense of of uh, serenity in such a chaotic moment to uh, to sort of scan and just take it all in. And that's that's how I think of Cabrera. Well, if you watched him, just watch the way he the the way he walked, and it's just how okay with himself he was on the field, on the field. And you combine that with all those ridiculous physical gifts and then the one in a million hand-eye coordination like Tiger Woods. It, it produces the, the the most breathtaking hitter we've, we've seen in the last 20 yeah. years. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that. You're, you're, the, the way you described it, the sense of self. I mean, Miggy has always, he's just drunk in the the game. You know, he's, first base was such a great position for him because he was so chatty and involved and, you know, um, but the thing is, but but where does that come from? I mean, where did he develop that? How did he hone his skills? How did he, you know, like that's that's what I don't know. Is, is he is it just innate talent? It it, it the, the the talent was innate. I mean, obviously he worked hard too. The talent was innate. I remember Al Avila for that same story telling me, and and he told others this story too. But the first time he saw him, he was a. Uh, I don't remember what his title was. He was working for the Florida Marlins, though. Dabrowski was down there, and he they went down to uh, maybe Venezuela to see to see Cabrera play, and they met in some neighborhood park or whatever. And Cabrera was like 16, and here he's coming and climbing over the backfield. He just said he kind of just just leaps up and climbs over the back the center field fence to come into to to the practice to the workout or whatever, and just kind of bounded over, just effortless. And the way he's moving, and Avila said they're just kind of looking at each other like, "Here comes this guy. We're major. We here we are working for you know scouting and general manager for a major league team, and he's acting like he doesn't have a care in the world." And this is when he was sixteen, right? You know, and it's not that his family had a lot of money per se, and I know that Cabrera struggled with the weight and the pressure of what he meant to Venezuela for a while, and he did have some sort of away from the ballpark kind of struggles, but for whatever reason. He found peace on the baseball field from a, when he was a little dude, and he's always had that. You know, whatever else is going on in the world, life is complex and, and difficult. But for, for him, in that batter's box and on that diamond, he, he, he's gotten to a place that very, very few people have ever gotten to in that sport. And um, it's just always been a part of him. Yeah, he's always been a – always been a pleasure to watch and it's going to be um that that was always the the tragedy of Miguel Cabrera to me and his time with the Tigers as we just we never got close to him we never really got to know him very well there was always a distance obviously there was a lot of off-field issues going on and it's true you know it makes sense but it was unfortunately we just you know never got never got to, to really know what made Miggy tick um, no, yeah, he's the only player. I don't know about you, Carlos. In, the, in all the years I've been around Detroit sports, written about it, covered, even just watch it, going back to the '80s. He's the only player in any sport I've ever heard other athletes and coaches say, "I've never seen that before." I don't understand what he's doing. I don't know how to explain what he's doing. I mean, he, but because of what you're talking about, we we, we didn't connect with him in the way, right? And he never became yeah. the superstar nationally. He he's as good at baseball. Is I mean, and I want to get says, you know, Michael Jordan is a basketball. He's as good at hitting a baseball, right? And that's how good he is. 
Yeah. In his prime. In his prime. That's how good. But it never connected, did it, to your point? Yeah. Yeah, he was more of a Ted Williams character, you know, of of this, uh, this, uh, you know, savant when it came to hitting and understanding what he was doing, you know, but not as intense. He was, and that was the, the thing you watch, but he's fun to watch on that. He's carefree and jokey and all this on the, you know, and it just never translated beyond that. We just never got his, but you know, maybe that was enough. Maybe that was enough to just see him in his prime. And even now to watch him the last year or two of his career, you know, what he still can do once in a while and see, see a player take joy in, you know, their job. Cause it's, it's not that common anymore, you know, in all pro sports, they've kind of, they've, they've beaten it out of a lot of players. So the way that they, you know, bring them through the systems and everything. So it, I'm going to miss Miggy. I'm going to miss, miss watching him play. No, for sure. It was, uh, it was, it was really something. I mean, you're right. It's, it still is. And it's fun to watch him see the, or get near the, the numbers in the 3000. That's, it's a, one of the great things about baseball, but you're, but you're right, man. Uh, there was a stretch there where, yeah, it was, it was thrilling to watch. And we don't say that we, we, we get jaded. Don't we in this business? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, but you know that in baseball and I know, I know baseball is not your sport necessarily, but just that is kind of fun when you see these people, the, the Otani's and the trouts and the Tatises and whatever, you know, you, they have their moments, the Acuna's and, and you, you get to see like, man, these guys are just hitting the, the crest of that wave and they don't get to stay there that long, even though they, they have, they, they may have nice long careers. And at the end they, they get to 500 home runs and 3000 hits and all that amazing, but it's the very end of their careers, you know, but just watching them rate and, you know, anybody who's played baseball, it's such a, it's such a wondrous sport that very few people, no matter how much talent you have and whatever it, all the tumblers have to click in place and just to be in the majors, let alone to be a star in the majors. So I've always enjoyed watching those people develop and, uh, you know, Miggy, Miggy was definitely one of those guys. No, for sure. As uh, I always thought of him as like Tony Gwynn with power. But that was the is, thing with Tony Gwynn was Tony was like the ultimate like tape grinder. I mean, he'd he'd go four for five and then go watch three hours of film after that. Like it was he was the the ultimate, you know, student of of it. And he could break down, you know, tape like anybody in the hitting and he knew he probably knew more about hitting than any human that's ever walked the planet but his and he Miguel, had incredible hand-eye coordination right tony Gwynn did it wasn't he just did. he wasn't just a grinder he had otherworldly hand-eye coordination the, with the way he made contact with the ball but he threatened 400 i think more than anybody else did or, during his era and the only reason he got that close was because he te- he paired that talent with all that study and technical ability and technical understanding. And that's what I don't, that's what we don't know about Miggy is like, is it, does he go home? Does he have a bat cave? Does he drive home and watch tape and does he, you know, whatever, does he get his butler to help him? With no, he's, he's, he he's, just, oh, I'm Miggy no, he's, he studied, he studied some, but I remember doing the, doing the takeout on him 10 years ago, whenever it was having people tell me that he could, it's like he, he had a savant kind of memory so he could remember every what what pitchers through and their patterns and all that so his he his brain was constantly calculating and processing information and he could recall it right like like a like a great quarterback or a point guard in basketball or whatever you know he could he could remember 
patterns and he could see patterns and then and, and then file them away and access them whenever he wanted just i mean that's just a gift right yeah it's almost that's, it's it's right it's it's crazy to have that kind of mental gift on top of all the obviously physical stuff that he had yeah that's 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 the thing like you know and we you know when you talk to players and and, you know, even guys like Victor Martinez, you know, they were they studied, you know, hitting. They were more serious about it. And they talked about the art of hitting and the technical aspects and stuff. And I don't know if Miggy's ever talked about that. I don't know if he's ever mentioned anything about, well, in this count, they were going to do this. And I knew they were going to throw me pitch this and whatever. No, but he knew. No, but he knew. I, I mean, he knew. Other, peop- other people would talk about how he would talk about that to them. He just didn't. He just didn't like talking about that. He, I remember when I, I, I wrote this, you know, long, like I said, long, long piece. And I, uh, he eventually sat down with me, but he just, he didn't like talking about it. He, he just no. didn't. He just no, didn't. He didn't. Yeah. No, he did not like articulating anything about himself, really. No, he did. It was Miggy, Miggy in his, you know, natural state is just a goofy, fun loving dude. Um, who just doesn't take himself seriously, you know, but, and which is, which is always 90% of the time in pro sports, you get that kind of a person and they open up and they talk and they, they, you know, share their story or their outlook. And Miggy, Miggy will just clam up so tight if you try to get him to say anything meaningful about what he thinks and how he goes about things. And, um, you know, as, as sports writers, it's very frustrating trying to get that. You know, there's something there, but you're just never going to get it out of them. No, you're not. Uh, in any case, uh, I, I don't know what happened there, Carl. It's our favorite thing or my favorite thing. <laughs> Turn into a whole new segment. I mean, Andrew's probably. I hijacked it because of baseball. Was my no, fault. Andrew's going to have to help us here probably and uh, save us. for. So Sorry about that, Andrew. <laughs> I should apologize to the listeners to the, the, the folks that have stayed with us in any case. Well, listen, Carlos, uh, good to see you, my man. Uh, as you know, uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the week, uh, sitting there hang, hanging out with you. I look forward to it every week. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure about Andrew. We'll see, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you don't like I, hanging out with him or you're not sure. No, he likes hanging out no, with us? no I, I don't know if he likes hanging out with us. No, 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 no. No, I think he's is, is he giving me a hand gesture there or something? <laughs> he's doing a he's doing a little tear, a little tear going down his cheek. I thought he was giving us the Kyrie, the behind <laughs> behind the, the behind the head double bird. No, no, no. <sighs> well, listen, we wanna we wanna thank Andrew, uh, who makes this possible, produces this show. We wanna thank uh, Anjanette. I think we probably mentioned her too many times today. Anjanette Delgado, the executive producer. You're right. We wanna thank Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor. Peter Batia, the executive editor, uh, and uh, we want no, to thank editor. You. He's the editor. You're right, the editor. Sorry, they changed. Oh, oh no, they almost got us fired. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, Peter Batia, the editor. Look, uh, if you um, like the show, rate it, subscribe, uh, let us know what you think. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast at Apple and Spotify. And um, you know, we're grateful that you spent a little time with us, and we look forward to listening to, or excuse me, speaking with you next week. 